Why click anywhere else for Internet Talk Radio? Open a browser and open your mind. You can find all the information at TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. The trauma of modern warfare can be so deep, it can devastate the psyche. Returning soldiers can have a tough time getting back into everyday activities. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey gets the facts from an expert on how recent vets can heal and get on with life. Roy? Thanks, Chris. As the war in Iraq continues, more and more Iraq veterans are coming home. Even if they avoid any physical harm, how are they doing emotionally and psychologically? Dr. Edward Tick is a psychotherapist who has been treating war vets for post-traumatic stress disorder for more than 25 years, and he's now written a book called War and the Soul. Do we have some general idea of how many of these soldiers and Marines returning from Iraq will eventually have some of these problems? The New England Journal of Medicine published a study that's already considered pioneering in this field, demonstrating that at least 16% of soldiers serving in Iraq presently have post-traumatic stress disorder. The Veterans Administration has updated that a little bit to about 17%. But what we know from previous wars is that soldiers in the field always under-report their psychological symptoms, and the incidence of post-traumatic stress disorder always increases over time and with the type of homecoming experience the veterans have. So we're going to be well over 20, 25%, and maybe much more over the, the ensuing years. I'm not sure quite how to ask this question, but let me give it a stab. Do you feel that some returning vets are reluctant to even bring this topic up because they feel like somehow it's disloyal to the effort expended there, to the blood spilled there, and to the war and the cause itself? Yes, it is a problem. Veterans are extremely loyal to their comrades who may still be over there, to the men and women they served with who have returned with them, and to the country and our ideals for which they originally were intending to serve. When the war stories they carry back may bring too much pain, too much revulsion, or too many questions to their listeners or even to themselves, they will hold back and not talk about their war stories either at all or sometimes only among themselves rather than bring conflict or perhaps question or disloyalty to any of their listeners. So we have this terrible uh, paradox that war is so horrible and painful that, of course, it needs to be talked about, and our veterans need relief by telling their stories to the community, but they're also protecting the community by keeping it in. They tend to believe the community doesn't really want to hear it, and that's accurate in our society. We don't want to hear about this kind of terrible, overwhelming pain and destruction. And veterans are also caught in this quandary between doing their duty, that's why they're over there and serving American ideals, and on the other hand, having seen and done horrible things that were called for in the line of duty. This would seem to be a conventional wisdom question. Is it true that the longer someone serves in a war zone, the more likely it is that they would be uh, stressed in this way, or is that not necessarily true? Yes, that is quite true. Military psychiatry has 
believe it or not, um, combat stress scale. And they can predict fairly accurately how long a person can tolerate combat without having significant psychological breakdown. Back in World War II, these studies demonstrated that three weeks to a month was the maximum a person could tolerate of exposure to extreme combat. So when we put people in the combat zone for a year or more, and when the combat is like it is in a modern war, a guerrilla war, or a war of insurgency, when the threat is always present, not like World War II where the big battles happened but then people broke off and had some time to rest and recuperate and grieve, the stress of combat never ceases. It's really literally there 24-7, and people will inevitably break down. Are there differences between professional soldiers, full-time soldiers, as opposed to the National Guardsmen who are often uh, sent to Iraq at this point? Yes, and that's another important point when we're thinking about psychological damage to our troops. Professional soldiers are trained much more severely for the combat experience and given more psychological resistance to it. And in addition to that, they volunteered by going into the profession to be warriors and to face combat. National Guard's people have, they meant to serve on the home front. They have families, many of them are older, and their PTSD is likely to be much more severe. You've described some of these returning GIs as potential time bombs. How far out can this actually manifest itself? I think a lot of people think, well, they're traumatized initially and then they maybe start to get over it a little bit, but it certainly can be years, can't it? It can be years and even decades. The suicide rate for Vietnam veterans is still on the increase. In the Vietnam War, about 58,000 service people were killed during the war. The number of suicides from Vietnam has topped 100,000. Post-traumatic stress disorder, is, if it's not treated well and if our society doesn't tend our veterans with utmost concern, the problem goes on and on. It festers in the mind and it really can get worse over time. It doesn't just go away because people are back in civilian life. If someone knows a returning vet, how can they recognize post-traumatic stress disorder in that person? Well, there's a whole cluster of symptoms that we have to watch out for in post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the problems is that it is often misdiagnosed as only one or a few of the symptoms. So there is often substance abuse, drug or alcohol abuse, sleep disorders, insomnia, nightmares, there may be flashbacks to combat events, there's quite often severe difficulties in intimate relationships and sexual dysfunctions of all kinds. There's often a very disturbed employment history, people bounce from one job to another, they can't keep the job, they often have some of these symptoms right on the job and have a hard time telling whether they're in combat or in a civilian setting. There is often paranoia, what we call the startle response, jumping at loud noises, mistrust of authority. Depression is an important symptom as well. Anger, severe anger, often rage that is out of control. People in combat lose the uh, continuum that we have from a little bit of anger to irritation to getting really angry. And because in combat you have to jump in a split second from being peaceful to being filled with a killing rage. Veterans often learn that and can't unlearn it, and so they go into rages very easily. And often, veterans are misdiagnosed as alcoholics or drug addicts or depressed 
when it's really this full cluster of symptoms. If a veteran is misdiagnosed, he or she will often mistrust the community, the, the health provider or the family member because they will feel, you don't understand how troubled I am by the war and you're telling me I have a different problem than I really have. I really need somebody to talk to me about my war experiences. This may be difficult to answer in just a few seconds, but as a psychotherapist, how can you help these vets get through this? Well, I wish we had more than a few seconds, but there is very, very much we can do. The standard treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder, unfortunately, is medications to squash down the symptoms and training in stress reduction techniques to avoid the stressors of everyday life that can set off the symptoms. Those can be helpful in controlling symptoms, but it's not enough. We really need to take extraordinary measures in psychotherapy and beyond it to help veterans. A psychotherapist or a family or community member really needs to be prepared to listen to and understand without judgment and with full acceptance the painful stories that the veterans need to report. Also, a therapist or family member or loved one needs to really understand that the mind of the veteran has been completely reshaped by the war experience. The person who comes home is not the same as the person who left and really cannot be. We want our veterans to get back to normal as if they could be the person they were when they began, but rather we really need to help them reshape an identity, a new identity as a mature returned warrior who has been through hell, has seen and done very painful things, and has to create a new identity and find new forms of service to our communities and our country that include the new self and all the experiences that the person had. Not lock it away, but really encourage catharsis, emotional expression, encourage storytelling, and help the veteran build a new identity. And even those soldiers who come back who do not suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, they will never be the same person who went to the war, right? That's correct. This is why traditional cultures had a class of citizens that they called warriors. It's not the same as a veteran. We have millions of veterans, and they all deserve our support and honor, but we don't really have a warrior class where we recognize that people who went off to serve in the military come back changed, transformed forever, and they carry wisdom and experience that the rest of us need to know and that a society needs to know and have open discussion about for the benefit of the society as well as for the health of the veteran. And we really need to make much more room in our society for discussion about these difficult truths rather than just try to encourage the veteran to get back to civilian life. Dr. Edward Tick, the author of War and the Soul, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. You're very welcome, and thank you for your attention to this very important problem. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.